Uh, welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. Uh, this is our second dispatch from the Toronto International Film Festival. Day two. Uh, after the after the yep. festival ends. <laughs> you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, my name is Jesse Catherine Weber. Uh, I'm joined by... Andy Grimuga. Uh, and we are also joined by uh, critic and curator CJ Prince. Yes, hello. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Uh, So, yeah, we have uh, several movies that we had uh, talked about discussing. I think maybe uh, EO, which I I know you saw it canned. Did you say you saw it again in Toronto, CJ? Yeah. I, I saw it at Cannes, and I and I wanted to see it again, and luckily there was a spot on my schedule, so I went and rewatched. Yeah, so we yeah we've all seen that in Toronto. So yeah, I it, it is uh, the new film from uh, Jersey Skolomowski, uh, his first since twenty sixteen is I think when that Vincent Gallo movie is. I think his first in Cannes competition in a very long time. Uh, but about a, uh, a donkey named Eo, uh, and there's not a whole lot more to it. The donkey just kind of wanders around into different situations. Uh, yeah, I, the, well, I think we had an introduction. I don't know if either mm. of you were at the test screen, but Jersey Skolomowski did a video introduction because he yes. was yeah, he, uh, yeah, I saw it. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, I was at one of the IMAX screenings, the late night. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. that was one of the smart things they did this year. They put both EO screenings in the IMAX cinema, which was very mm-hmm. nice. Um, uh, but yeah, he, he basically described it as like a road trip movie, but where you're following a donkey instead of like mm-hmm. you know, I think he's a people on bikes or something. And yeah, I mean, uh, part of why I wanted to see it again was because that experience at can was way more emphasized on say just the experience of what was unfolding like you weren't like most of us were just kind of swept up in the like aesthetics and just how much of a crazy experience it was right it was and of course there's this thing i i, I have a, a theory of sorts but not really where there's like an oasis effect at a festival like can where I, usually I think I point to Tony Erdman, where essentially you see a film at the festival that's just so distinctive and so mm-hmm. unexpected mm. compared to everything else in the competition or, or in the festival that it kind of functions as an oasis and the response is really intense to it. So that's what EO was sort of like for me. Um, but I mean, generally, this is Skolomowski doing a very like pro-animal rights movie and it's just, you know, th- this sort of... I'm glad it wasn't a direct riff on, um, what was it, um, Bresson's, uh, uh-huh. uh, Ozar, uh, Balthazar, a- and I'm glad it wasn't a direct riff, but it's on, it's the same idea, you know, a donkey's just kind of going around and mm-hmm. getting these, like, you know, little pockets of various forms and human existence and all that, but it's really more animal rights focused, so it's just about the mistreatment of animals, um, and trying to look at them through some sort of, like, empathetic or... 
I don't want to say human lens, but um, uh-huh. but to kind of re- to have empathy or to you know think of them in the same way we think of other people. Yeah, I mean that is interesting because it it is certainly that, and uh, you know the the title card at the end makes that fairly explicit. But it, 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 he did also seem to be kind of making part of the text the extent to which, like, uh, it, it is an act of aestheticization with this donkey that he is sort of projecting emotions onto it. Like, I thought that the, the little sequence with the, like, robot dog thing, which I guess kind of served a plot purpose, but also did mm-hmm. serve to acknowledge, like, I can do this with a little robot dog, too. Like, I, you know, and understand that, like, if you just went and looked at a donkey, you're not necessarily going to have this uh, same experience of uh, uh, of empathy, maybe. Maybe, yeah. I I felt like, I don't know, I, I thought the whole sequence of the robot dog felt like he was just sort of, like, very bemused with, like, technology. Uh-huh. Like, he's just kind of, like, especially when he has it yeah. just kind of staring at itself and it's a reflection. Um, it is... Like, it's definitely, um, I'll still align someone else said to me, they said it's bravura, it's bravura filmmaking, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and that's definitely, like, that's definitely it, and it's very easy to enjoy it just on a pure experiential level, and I, I really do enjoy the film on that, on that, and, um, people think I'm, like, super gaga for it, and because of, like, you know, how I talk about online, I'm like, no, it's just really easy to joke about, because (laughs) it's about a donkey, you know, and it's just like a lot of crazy filmmaking, it's extremely fun, it's one Mm -hmm. of my favorite movies I've seen this year, but at the same time, um, I'm not, I don't think it's a masterpiece by any means, uh, and that's just Uh because I find um, it has limits, because of its, it's, it's, it kind of has a ceiling in terms of where it goes on an experiential level, um, and the messaging is quite straightforward. But I think in terms of, like, compared to most of what I've seen this year, this is, like, way more fun and stuff. I was very excited to see it again. Uh-huh. It's the same way. I could, I could watch many parts of this movie and just have a great time. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, I, yeah, an interesting aspect of it, like, yeah, with the, with the animal rights sort of thing, is that it is about a donkey. And they talk about, like, I don't know, I guess, I feel, I feel like so often animal rights we talk about, like, especially with regards to, like common meat animals and like donkey like they talk about like mm-hmm. a donkey being made into salami a couple of times i guess i don't know how particularly common that is but like it does it is interesting that it's like yeah about an animal that we don't necessarily think of as like food first and foremost but like as like a worker or whatever uh, uh-huh. but then it is so much yeah about just the donkey like you know wandering around and finding and finding its own like way in the world um, yeah, it's, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on with it, I think. Yeah, and that in comparison to, like, recent, uh, I guess, documentary films like Gunda or Cow, neither of which I saw. And I do have to say, I, I, I'm not sure I believe that you could, uh, pull, ha- having been around cows, I don't really believe you could pull something like this off with a cow. Sure, uh, yeah. Cows are pretty, uh, stupid, ugly animals, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, talking about the sort of bravura filmmaking, it did, uh, I found it interesting that there was all the stuff, uh, when it premiered, it can about, I think one of the jurors mentioned 
thinking it was the work of a much younger filmmaker. I think that that was generally kind of a thing people were saying about it. And it felt more in line to me with, like, sort of, uh, you know, late period uh, digital uh, explorations from, you know, like, I guess Malick is a touch point, but even, like, a little, at times, like, Man or... Cronenberg or Lynch or just people like that working with uh, digital later in their career, uh, though, I, 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 you know, in some ways even more adventurous than those can be, and more more free flowing, I think. Hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I. You know. Yes. Yeah, see, seeing it in IMAX. I mean, and also like uh-huh. was like. A, I, it was a later screening for me, so like uh-huh. I had seen like three or four other movies that day, mm-hmm. and it was like, it is a real like yeah, washing over you like the mm-hmm. the sort of yeah the the, the lot of and, and like it's even from like especially from the very beginning where it is like red strobe lights like, yeah occur uh-huh. like happen like it is really yeah the the aesthetic of it is just like overwhelming and, 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 and enveloping and like it is a good movie to sort of like to, it, it, it it certainly like seeing it in that condition where you are like maybe a little more prone to zone out like certainly like the movie can mm-hmm. support that type of viewing sure as well yeah, as a more yeah. uh detailed one i would imagine yeah, and I guess I can say that I saw it, I think, on the smallest screen possible at TIFF, uh, the little way upstairs theater at the light box at a press five. screening. Uh, no, it was six. Oh, so even higher. Uh, oh, God, yeah, you were in, like, one yeah, of those tiny, like, yeah. rooms. Uh-huh, which, you know, it, you know, it, uh, it still supported the movie perfectly fine, I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, it is, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays for people when they start uh, watching it at home or even just on their computers. I I think it'll support that fairly well too, just because I think Andy's right that it is a movie that can can ask for your full attention, but can also work perfectly well if you're a little in and out, you know, as you might be at a film well, festival and as you also might be watching something at home. I mean, yeah, to lean on the old cliche, I think it's it's like showing over telling. And a lot of that mm-hmm, film is sure. show. And therefore, you know, yeah, I, I think it doesn't really... I mean, obviously seeing it bigger is better because you can just, like, let that thing overwhelm you. But it's, uh-huh. it's something where I think it can work in many formats. Because most people are, like, like, when I initially saw it, you're just kind of like like watching everything unfolding and you're just kind of like what's the hell's going to happen next because I'm like uh-huh. a second there's a there's a there's a plot line in there mm-hmm. but I mean Skolomowski uh, the weirdly the when I first saw it, the film I thought back to was um Dominic Graf's uh Fabian going to the dogs mm. because that's a uh-huh. film that's so energetic aesthetically uh-huh. and also a very old director and has a very mm-hmm. young youthful energy um and there's more of an emphasis on just using aesthetic and form to evoke things uh rather than really kind of drive it by plot you know um and it's Uh it's a similar kind of idea here they're very different films that just it it had just there's a sort of vitality to both that just Mm -hmm. linked them together for me yeah i definitely see that and also how both of them really do just start off throwing you right into that sort of uh overwhelming aesthetic 
Uh, I, I don't know, you, you said a few minutes ago that, you know, you like this film, but it, you're not quite at saying it's a masterpiece. Is there anything at TIFF this year that you would say is? Um, I mean, no, masterpiece level, like, uh-huh. no, there are films yeah. that I've really liked, but I mean, I haven't <clears throat> seen, I don't think I've seen, like, a, a masterpiece level movie mm-hmm. all year, and that's not, yeah. that's not a knock on the movies or anything it's uh-huh, just, it's just right. more it's more reflective of my own taste than uh mm-hmm. the movies but i mean i think this the best thing playing at tiff although i didn't see it at tiff i saw it at can was the humani corporis fabrica the, mm-hmm. the documentary mm-hmm. by uh, lucian kessing taylor and verena paravel which which you know i i kind of joked after seeing it okay well like leviathan was like masterpiece level for me their film in 2012 I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. so the track record is they're going to make, like, a really great movie every ten years. Like, okay, fine. <laughs> um, but that film, mm-hmm. yeah, that film I, I really enjoyed because it's just so, um, just the whole idea of taking that footage, you know, these the surgery footage, which I'm used to seeing because I'd randomly be flipping the channel as a kid, and one of those surgery TV shows used to be on where you would just, <laughs> and every and then some nights they have the eye surgery episode, so you'd just be switching from Ooh. channel to channel, mm-hmm. and then you just see, like, an up-close thing of an eye, you know, spread open and they're like in it and yeah those are traumatizing times but it's but anyway to see it out of the context of something in a more educational sense and then actually trying Mm -hmm. to find something cinematic and then seeing how within the body you know these sort of entire landscapes and worlds are kind of generated because we're seeing it in a more cinematic context and then how they then link all of this to our own you know world and how we build it sort of the corridors of the hospital are paralleling um you know the way that the bodies are constructed uh and all that it's just Uh there's a lot going on in there that i quite enjoyed and i found all this all the surgery footage more fascinating than anything and the movie's Uh really really funny um even though it's gonna gross Uh people out i think it's a really like hilarious movie but that's just me yeah i mean and it is just like fun to excuse me uh watch people just in the theater what people's reactions were it was it was very strange i was the the exit was in the back and i was towards the front of the theater so i couldn't see if people were walking out for the most part though there was one person who was in my row who walked out like and and this was a press screening so people just leave for whatever reason but who walked out with like 10 minutes left which there's no surgery stuff after that Wow. Uh, so that was very funny. It's like, oh, you made it through all the uh, the gross stuff, and you're just gonna miss the little fun coda. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'm we, we've talked about this a little already. I'm curious what you make of the the non uh, surgery stuff with just the old people. Uh, who are in the hospital for whatever reason, who are just kind of I clearly not of sound mind. That that is the one part of the movie that bugged me a little bit. Do you feel it bugs you in which sense? Um, I mean, right, like it less in the like. I don't think this should be in the like that. I think it's like morally wrong for it to be in the movie or to be shown. And more in just like I find that stuff more unpleasant to watch than the surgery stuff (laughs) and it's not clear to me why it's there i mean i get the kind of bigger like metaphor they're making about the hospital and the human body but i feel like 
there's other stuff that gets that across better for me. And so then that does kind of also, you know, the, the, the element of like, I don't know that these people needed to have a camera pointed at them. That plays in a little bit, but less than the actual text of the film and my reaction right, to yeah. it. It's no, I understand that. And I mean, when I, when I saw it, I had a similar <clears throat> feeling because it was like, I mean, I just, I lean more into all like the more, um, experimental elements and the abstraction uh-huh. of the imagery that just comes with having that, you know, uh, footage from inside the body. I understand it's, it's point to kind of put, you know, the, 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 you know, the very human, like it's, it's, it's kind of a counterbalance in a way. That's how I took it at least when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand it, although uh, I don't mind it as like, I didn't have much issue with it because the film just works for me overall. Uh-huh. And I find that like, I mean, the thing I was always really stuck with, which was, yeah, none, none of the scenes like that really work. I mean, the final shot at, at the, at the sort of like the, the mural, the, the shot of the mural, uh-huh. um, you know, is, I like that shot with, but yeah. I mean, I like, I like Blue Monday. So, I mean, that's obviously like, you uh-huh. know, that benefits cause that's on the soundtrack. But, um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was really taken by the pneumatic tube sequence. Uh, yes. I and love then that, that shot of the camera in it, which is just such a, and it's such a great parallel to everything we've seen up to that point. Uh, mm-hmm. but I agree. I think, I think that, that those specific elements you are pointing out work less for me than the other stuff but mm-hmm. it's all kind of part of, it's all kind of a piece with the rest of the film so it, it doesn't it's yeah. not something that uh for me really uh i didn't uh it didn't necessarily bug me um or, or, uh-huh. or take me out of things but i i it's just more so one of these things where i'm like i understand the intent it's not really working as well as well for me as the other uh-huh stuff. yeah it i mean i don't know it is now occurring to me uh have you seen one fine morning cj Yes. Yeah, and me and Andy saw that together. So it is now occurring to me that that's a point of comparison because that film, you have uh, Pascal Gregory playing uh, a character with there's a very specific uh, neurodegenerative. Yeah, that uh, I don't remember the name of. I would imagine it's just whatever uh, Mia Hansen Love's father had because I get the impression it's very autobiographical. But, like, that is an interesting thing where, like, uh, you see Leia Seydoux as his daughter, her reaction to uh, his condition, how upsetting that is to her. But there is, it is interesting how, like, watching that character is not nearly as upsetting as watching the actual people who know, who knows what's going on with them in Dehumani. So I don't know, maybe it is kind of a... Uh, yeah, uh, almost a, a, a corrective of just like seeing what uh, someone going through this, what that actually feels like cinematically, as opposed to how it can be performed. Even though I like that Pascal Gregory performance, and there's, uh, I, I I like the elements of uh, his personality that you can see coming through, but yeah. that, that's not necessarily realistic. Yeah, and. I mean, they're also two different things, and one, I think one difference is that um, with with the Mia Hansen Love film, that's not the central focus of the film. Uh-huh. And the way that yes. it, it becomes the center and the focus within uh, <clears throat> the other, the, the, the Humanic Corporis Fabrica. So, yeah. And, yeah, actually, I'm curious what you both thought of Mia Hansen Love's movie then, because I only saw it back at the director's fortnight. So, I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I have 
very minimal thoughts on it. Not in a bad way, but I'm curious. Sure. sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I guess, yeah, I'm, I haven't, so I remember, I haven't seen that many Mia Hansen Love movies, but we saw Bergman Island at New York Film Festival last year, and then this one this year. And I, re- like, I remember, yeah, when it had played Director's Fortnite, it was, like, kind of getting, like, un like across the board, like the most positive reaction maybe out of Cannes was my yeah. That was my impression as like, well. Uh, like everyone was just like, yeah, this is just good. Like there's just like there, um, and yeah, watching it, I think like it is like I was maybe expecting something uh, like a little like more from it, just from the reactions to it. I think of in terms of like. Like, I thought it would be, like, a bigger story, I guess. But, like, no, it's just, like, a pretty, like, it's just, like, a really well done, like, sort of, mm-hmm. like, slice of life movie. Yeah. Um, which I, and I, and I did really enjoy it. Like, it's, um, the, I, I did respond much more to, like, all the stuff with her dad and, and her, and her mom and, like, navigating her existing family. Mm-hmm. The whole thing with, like, her, like, affair with the guy I was a little uh-huh. less, like, invested in and, and interested in. And like, 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 is he gonna leave his wife or, or all that? Like, was not right. something that I found myself tremendously invested in. Um, but like, yeah, her family life, uh, you know, it made me think. It did make me reflect a lot about like my relationship with my parents and um, mm-hmm. and especially and like and the focus on the books in particular. I think is like that's something like uh-huh like have uh, someone who has just recently moved into a new apartment like and brought a lot of books with me like thinking about like yeah the the power of books and moving books and having books that like represent like who you are uh i think like it's just like such an interesting rich thematic idea that i i think the movie uh handles very well yeah and i would say i also i like the movie a lot i think similarly someone made the observation to me after i saw it like it feels like people are a lot less into this here uh than they are than they were it can uh and so it is I, i i can see how that would happen if just like because i think people were so underwhelmed by a lot of what was it can that it was just like oh okay this is just something that like works really well at what it's doing uh whereas at tiff i think there was just like more exciting stuff such that it uh you know is good but didn't stand out to the extent that it kind of seems like it did it can because like yeah that it was like the it was the thing it can from afar that I was like, oh, this is just everyone likes this movie, which wasn't the case for almost anything else. I mean, like, Pacifiction obviously got a lot of very positive reactions, but you know, everyone's not going to like an Albert Sarah movie, or like, there was the record at the end, but people had left by then. Yeah. Um, it's interesting you say that because talking to people on the ground at Cannes, I found it was a it was a like muted but respectable kind of response mm. to the film. Mm-hmm. Where people like one of my a friend of mine who I watched it with, you know, afterward, you know, he was like, "Yeah, I'll probably write some nice words about it like when it comes <laughs> out, but I'm not really gonna think about it." Sure. Yeah, and, and that's not a knock against the film. I want to be clear about that. The film for me is yes, it's 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 corny to say, but it's like it's a fine film. Like it's just fine. It's <laughs> it's okay, and um, it, it was something where 
but at the same time, I want to be clear, like, I have generally not been a fan of Mia Hansen Loves. I've, I mm. only saw two of her films prior, The Father of My Children and Things to Come, and I didn't really care for either. I especially did not like Things to Come, because one thing I cannot stand is just, like, the woes of, like, academics. Like, oh, I'm in the <laughs> Swiss mountains dis- discussing philosophy and life. Oh, it's like, I don't care. So I, I like... Um, so, and then Bergman Island, I, I really ended up enjoying quite a bit. Um, and I was able to, zone, to to kind of hone in on, like, the, the, the particularity, like, the mood she creates and all that. And so this one, watching it, it, it made me... Well, at the same time, I felt like I had limitations with it. I gained a better understanding and appreciation of her work through that because it feels so counter to a lot of her contemporaries at the moment. Like, mm. one thing that stuck out to me... And yeah, I know, I'm sorry, two films in a row I've talked about are not even films I've seen at TIFF, but at the same time, like, in seeing it, um, the, the scene that stuck out to me was when she was talking about her father's uh, books, and then how that kind of was a mm-hmm. part of him. Uh, and I'm like, that is such a, that's such an interesting um, sort of hopeful perspective on it, and when you compare it to a film like The Worst Person in the World, where the character basically just thinks he's wasted his entire life because he's invested in, uh, you know, media mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, stuff like that stuck stuck out to me at the time, because I thought, you know, she, she, she has a, a different perspective on these things, um, and it, to me it's just like, yes, this, this to me shows that she is extremely distinctive uh, in her own mm-hmm. in her own voice and method. So I have a lot of admiration for the movie. I don't enjoy it as much. Maybe on a rewatch, I'll, I'll get a better appreciation of it because it is kind of working in a minor key uh, yeah. compared yeah. to others uh, because it is far more, um, you know, is just kind of honed on this one particular story. But yeah, it's, it's yeah. something where I'm not surprised people have a, a sort of muted... Uh, response. I mean, that was what I got a can. I didn't see much of the reaction online. Um, yeah, but yeah. I mean, I mean it might have just been like looking at numbers from can when you're doing well, it's, that. It's the one where the numbers are going to be high because just no when you average them together because no one's giving it a low rating. Yeah, I don't think it's which, a, like that's obviously not a great way to look at can. But. It's not. A, it's a very difficult film to hate. I yeah. would say mm-hmm. so I'm not so, like yeah. I think most people were just it was I think it's just more of a consistency across the board because it's a, just a very finely put together film and all that um, mm-hmm. it's not a very divisive film and I would be very confused if somebody came out of that like I really hated this because <laughs> right. it's like How it's not really she? doing things that's that's <laughs> upsetting like you yeah so. uh huh yeah yeah and I mean like I I wouldn't quite say I hated Bergman Island but I didn't really I, I didn't like that and have been kind of also up and down on her in the past, but I think Things to Come was the first of hers that I saw, and I actually like that well enough. Uh, and then also The Father of My Children, I also uh, think is solid. Uh, I mean, the that's I mean the French director contemporary of hers who maybe. Uh, is doing the closest work who I've only seen one of his films, but Xavier Beauvoir maybe comes to mind. I would, I I think that, uh, his most recent film that was at, uh, Berlin last year that I don't even know if it has an American title because it didn't come out here. That functions very similarly, I guess, especially to father of my children, but in general, the sort of, uh, minor, very scene-by-scene, uh, approach that they're taking is a little similar, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't, uh, I can't say much on that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, no, that's fine. That was just a thought that occurred to me. Um, 
I don't know, maybe uh, The Maiden is another thing to talk about. Yeah. I think that's one that uh, that's one of the ones at the festival that I uh, most responded to. Uh, a debut feature from uh, Graham Foy, a Canadian director, and like I in general, I thought that like the the slate of Canadian films at the festival this year felt very strong to me. Uh, and this this probably is, of those, the one that was my favorite, though. I do also like Queens of the Qing Dynasty quite a lot. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's a very... There's a lot of kind of uh, sort of obvious touch points that have come up for people. I've heard Gus Van Zandt a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard Puget Pong very ethical a lot, I think, including from you. Uh, but it, it, it's this story of, uh, I guess, several teenagers eventually. We start on these two boys uh, just kind of hanging out. Uh, and then uh, I guess there's a, a, a tragedy very early on in the film that makes it a little bit weird to talk about when no one's seen it yet. But then... Uh, we follow one of them, uh, and then there, there's a, a girl who comes into the film who uh, has gone missing, and then we cut back to her, uh, and then it kind of, it, it continues to get, it acquires a very light magical realist touch as it goes on, but I don't know, I was just very taken with it, uh, kind of from the get-go, I, I think just the the relationship it was showing between uh, the two boys that it's starting with just felt very, very lived in. It's, like, very funny, but I think the 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 moment within the first probably ten minutes of the film where you kind of get what it's going for is they, they start out in this, like, abandoned, half-built house, and they go into the basement, and they find this dead cat, and they initially have the, like, very, like, exaggerating, like, ew, gross reaction, but pretty quickly they're like, I guess we should bury it? And then they, there's a sequence of them uh, eventually deciding to give it the kind of Viking funeral, they pick flowers for it, and so having the, like, sort of very real teenager humor kind of stuff, but also being very sweet. That that immediately endeared the film to me, and I think it it continues on that track throughout. Yeah, it was definitely um, probably my favorite of the Canadian features I've seen at the festival. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, it's it's different for me because, I like, as as a Canadian... You know, I always hate starting a sentence with as a, but, you know, as a Canadian, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we have a more, Canadians have a very cynical feeling toward Canadian cinema. Like, one of the jokes is that uh-huh. Canadians, Canadians just do not watch Canadian movies. I'll be frank. I don't really watch many Canadian movies outside of TIFF. That's why I try and go mm-hmm. for the Canadian films during TIFF, because I know I'm not going to mm-hmm. watch these movies on general release. I'll have no interest otherwise. Um, and that's that's on me. <laughs> I want to be clear. Uh-huh. Like, that's not. And then, um, and so uh, in seeing this one, which I wanted to see, um, one because it was actually picked in the the uh, the Giornate in Venice, right? Uh-huh. Uh, which you know, anytime, anytime another you know 
high-profile festival is picking a Canadian film. It's kind of like, okay, so somebody else is, right. you know, t- you know, when 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 the Canadian festival picks a Canadian film, you kind of have to be a little suspicious, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're same, not just I mean, Can- to pick it. Yeah, and Cannes does the same <laughs> thing. Like every film festival does that. You know, uh-huh. Berlin is German, and, and Cannes picks French, and there are a lot of garbage French movies that play at Cannes that nobody yes. talks about because uh-huh. they don't see them or they're shoveled off in whatever section. But um, so. I was excited for, and then also because like MDFF produced and MDFF has made lots of solid mm-hmm. work. Um, mm-hmm. And then also uh, Grant Foy, who used to go by the name of Fantavius Fritz, made this short film several years ago called uh, Good Boy, which is about a policeman who got a dog that you know he then trained. Um, and mm-hmm. I was really taken by that short film. Uh, it was it, it was gorgeous because it's Sean thirty five, and then also it was just like the way that he sort of meticulously showed in a very short amount of time the the way that like the the violence is kind of being taught into this dog by the nature of of its work as a police dog was really effective and so i'm Mm -hmm. like okay he made a feature i'm really excited and uh it's not like that at all uh like his Uh short um and yes i was validated or vindicated in a way because i mean yeah i picked up on weird ethical immediately watching it and then somebody told me that yeah he said that like tropical malady was like a very big inspiration Mm -hmm. point and then but yeah, I mean, it's it's this sort of thing where um, it, it is bifurcated, like it has two distinct halves, which is a very mm-hmm. weird ethical thing as well. Um, mm-hmm. And the second half kind of takes a more um, natural sort of setting because it goes more into like the, the woods and the mm-hmm. surrounding forest and all that. And that, you know, kind of similar to how Tropical Malady kind of moves, you know, <laughs> into, the, into the jungle in the second half. But um, it is, I mean, at the beginning, it was a little tough to get into its rhythms. It is very, very deliberately paced. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to make that clear. People may find it very slow. Sure. Um, And, you know, and and because, but I I was very into it in in the sense of, like, taking this particular point in time for these characters, you know, they're in Mm -hmm. high school. Uh, The boys in the first half, I think, are in older grade. I don't know if they're seniors. Maybe. Maybe, like, juniors or whatever, but. um, And then, you know, it's about this one friend you know suffering the loss of of his best friend and dealing mm-hmm. with the grief and how you know when you're a kid you don't have much to do because your time you, like you have way more time to yourself um because you know you're not working you're not doing you know whatever else takes up people's times people's time but um and so it's this sort of thing where you know he just has this like giant void in his life and he doesn't know how to even begin to know how to like deal with it or fill it uh, and then the second half kicks in with this uh, other high school student, uh, and it's a similar sort of idea of loss, but in a different sense, because that's just her close friend and her are drifting apart as they enter high school, because her friend is being mm-hmm. interested in boys and stuff, whereas, you know, she's just kind of, you know, very, uh, I mean, she comes across as very just introverted or wanting to do her own thing, mm-hmm. um, and not particularly, uh, I don't want to say antisocial, but not into the social crowds her friend is going with. Um, uh-huh. So... And and focusing on that aspect of loss, which I think is a very common experience for people when they kind of transition through mm-hmm. you know, elementary, uh, grade school and high school, etc., um, was I found that I found that to be pretty effective. Um, and then, yeah. of course, you know, without saying much, where it kind of ends up going in that second half uh, took me by surprise. And, and you know, it is a trick that's deployed in a lot of movies where you have this kind of seemingly grounded very small scale idea and then it kind of introduces these very large scale ambitious um things within it and Mm -hmm. and and it kind of uh it's it's a really nice surprise because it kind of 
you know, reconfigures your, your brain while watching it. You think it's something and then it kind of defies that, but at the same time, not in such a way that it's going to uh, break apart the kind of mood uh, or, or whatever spell the movie casts, for lack of a better term. And so, and, and yeah, I mean, the, the, the cinematography on this thing is gorgeous because it was shot on, I think, shot on 35. And um, yeah. I always, for some reason, I can, I can barely tell between 1635 sometimes because yeah. it's so grainy. And then, uh, but it's gorgeous. I mean, so many like magic hour shots and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. it just lends itself. And, and I think it captures that mood. Like, I grew up in a suburb sort of type thing and I was surrounded by, you know, like construction for other housing developments, which, you know, these characters have. And, and it does capture that sort of like. Mm-hmm. You're bored and your kids, so you just go to the creek and like hang out for like a long mm-hmm. ass time and just do whatever you want and sometimes just have like random chaos. So uh, it captures a lot of that and and um and where it goes uh, and where it ends up is um it, it's it's something that I think is quite special and, and even though yes mm-hmm. there are there are very obvious touch points um he does it well like he does yes. it quite well yeah. and I don't mind it because he pulls it off so yeah yeah absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you're, you're totally, uh, right about the, the reaction that, uh, Canadians have to Canadian films, because I had several times talking to, like, especially non-film people who I just know in Toronto who I was talking to, I'd be like, oh, there have actually been a lot of really good Canadian films I've seen, and they'd go, really? Yeah. Uh, and, and there were also... Uh, a couple, uh, debut, uh, sorry, uh, premieres at TIFF that I thought were good. Uh, Concrete Valley, uh, I liked a lot and actually have an interview with, uh, Antoine Borges that I'll be, uh, airing at some point this week. Uh, Until Branches Bend is another one that, uh, Sophie Jarvis, that one's another, uh, first feature, uh, and yeah, that that is one that like <clears throat> it kind of uh, that that one. There are points at which I'm like, oh, this is getting like a little bit too obvious in some of its symbolism. But there is a lot of stuff that just works. And uh, Grace Glowicki, who's the main actor of that, I had seen in a few things. I I think she has maybe directed. Uh, I saw in a movie that I talked about on this podcast at the Maryland Film Festival called Wrath, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but she is very compelling, and the movie is kind of like... Uh, it feels like kind of a take on... Um, uh, like the sort of 70s political paranoia thriller, uh, but it's, it's set in this town... Uh, uh, where peach farming is the main source of income, uh, and following, uh, this invasive species, uh, there's this invasive species that comes in that ha- they have had issues with that before, uh, and this character finds something else that is concerning, uh, and so it's taking that and putting it in both this ecological context, but also I think there's much more of a sort of uh, firmer social context of what this is doing to her relationships with people. We also sort of follow a few different people. We see her sister some, but then we also see, uh, the family of her boss, uh, who, like, the, his son is also working at the plant. His wife ends up kind of, 
uh, helping out, I guess, in some of her whistleblowing. Uh, but yeah, that's another one that I, I, I like a lot. Yeah, I, um, that one I saw a little bit before the festival, um, mm-hmm. and I was yeah. very curious to see it because I just, I was, yeah, it, it has that sort of conspiracy political thriller vibe to mm-hmm. it, and the plot description really compelled me, and um, and I didn't recognize Grace Glowicki at first. I've seen her in a couple mm-hmm. of st- mm-hmm. things, and uh, I found that she had a completely different look compared to what uh-huh. I've seen her before. Uh, maybe it's just that I've seen her as a blonde and she's a brunette in this one. But, <laughs> maybe, um, yeah. And uh, it's it's a film where, yeah, it's it's what I, what I categorize as like a very promising debut feature for me. Uh, it mm-hmm. is like... There are, there are really strong elements in it. I think there are other times where it kind of might work against itself or it has the things that I typically call like first feature jitters where, uh-huh. you know, it's kind of it, it, a lot of first features kind of have this lack of confidence in the viewer. They're afraid the viewer is not going to get it. And so I find a lot of first features underline certain elements that don't need uh-huh. to be underlined. Uh-huh. Um, and this film kind of has that. I mean, a lot of the symbolism is very on point. The peaches, obviously, you know, the the, the, lo- uh-huh. the, the bug itself that, that, you know, she discovers. And then I found every time the film tried to go big or obvious in that sense, like, especially, mm-hmm. I, like, I understand the need for having those kind of, like, dream sequence or hallucinatory yeah. sequence things where you're getting her perspective. But at the same time, I felt like the movie's so strong at evoking that without having to go into her yeah. head and, and switching up the tone like that, because... What struck me the most about watching it, and what I really enjoyed, because I found myself very compelled by it, whereas, you know, I heard other people who were less into it, but I was really taken by it throughout. And part of that is the the location of the Okanagan uh, Valley, or the Okanagan region, is is like a very unique and very gorgeous Mm -hmm. place, because it's this very flat, sort of tiny town surrounded by these massive mountains. So it feels so isolated and so kind of alien um like it is taking place within its own world and at the same time uh it's in the summer so it's you have these like really gorgeous uh it was shot in 16 mil by this um, cinematographer jeremy i think it's jeremy cox is his name and and he's done really impressive work in the past Mm -hmm. from what i've seen and and on this one you know shooting on 16 and then also kind of really having it all like kind of like sun drenched and very warm and golden its tones and colors um is this really unique sort of strange uh, counterpoint to the to the content, which is very, you know, uh, very psychological and more intensive because it's essentially, I mean, it's it's essentially like she's co- she's being collectively gaslit by an entire town, right? Uh huh. Right, and that yeah. kind of and that kind of throws her into a tailspin. So I think like you know the sequence stuff where you know she kind of goes so paranoid to the point where she's just you know opening every peach she can find, sort of thing. Uh-huh. Like those work far better than just her having like a very obvious dream sequence. I also found the subplot with her pregnancy to be a little lacking um myself Uh again like it's very obvious why it's there but Uh is it necessary maybe maybe not um and you know where it ends up kind of you know tries to dramatically increase the scale of the film to a point where it didn't work for me i didn't think it needed that but so for me it's like it's you know there are issues with it but at the same time i was so taken in by the mood of the film and yes grace grace glowicki is uh very I, I i really enjoy her performance in that movie i hate to like it's this thing where i hate using this term uh <laughs> but i cannot think of a better ter- of another term right now i don't want to say better because there are better terms uh but she has a sort of mousiness 
in her appearance. Uh-huh. Maybe this is just because her ears are out more because of like glasses. <laughs> but anyway, I, that's that, that's about anyway. I don't mean a bad. I, I don't mean a bad way, but she has a sort of like yeah. introverted quality. She's very just kind of like uh-huh. in her own thing. Yeah. But at the same time, she's so kind of like principled and stubborn about seeing these things through. Um, and uh-huh. so it really evokes this, you know, she sells the kind of tailspin her character goes into because it's someone who's just trying to do what she feels is right, uh-huh. unaware <clears throat> of the greater context. And then obviously once all of that falls back on her, she's unprepared for it. Um, uh-huh. And I think that she just does a really good job evoking that that kind of character, that that aspect of that character's personality both through just the way she kind of physically embodies it in her like mannerisms and all that but also just yeah like her um i don't know i feel like she she toned she honed in on that quite well so it, it makes her a very um sympathetic character so yeah lots of things i do enjoy about mm-hmm. the film i wish it worked for me more but either way like yeah. i find it's a very compelling debut feature and i'm like okay yeah like i i just wrote this up uh briefly in one of my dispatches and i just said like this is kind of mm-hmm. what the purpose of a festival is. You know, now it's like, okay, uh-huh. Sophie Jarvis, she's on my radar. I'm going to see what kind of film she yeah. does next. And that's kind of the point. That's why mm-hmm. I like going to a festival. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, and that is... That's something that maybe TIFF functioned for me better as this year. Because, like, it, in the past, and they're just not doing a good job, as good a job of, like, oh, if this is just the only festival you go to, you can just see all the good stuff from the year, and, like, there's plenty of that, but there's also a bunch of stuff that I'm like, well, that's just not there, so I'll get to it when I get to it, but that did open up time for more of the sort of Discovery titles, uh, which, you know, I... Uh, I guess I haven't been to another festival this year, I often am at one or two other smaller ones, but... Yeah, I mean, speaking of uh, first features, maybe a movie that both me and Andy have seen that I think I saw you saw yesterday that I'm curious uh, what you made of it is uh, Baby Ruby, uh, the first feature from Bess Wool, uh, playwright. Um, Yeah, I am actually going to be reviewing this one. Oh, sure. Um, And just to put it... Um, I don't know, you probably saw what I said, because I, I posted and then removed it, because I didn't want to be, like, I wasn't trying oh, to... Oh, I maybe, like, I maybe missed this. Yeah. I, I, I was, I didn't want to seem like I was, like, you know, teasing something, but anyway. Uh, okay. I, it's, it might be the worst thing I've seen at the festival. Wow. Uh, it's, it's, okay. I think, it, I think it's, I think it's as appalling or more appalling than The Whale. Um, uh-huh. it's, the idea of this film taking a, a very real condition of postpartum depression rendering it into um you know a jump scare horror movie that has the substance of a very bad exploitation film and then dressing it up in like your Ari Aster hereditary type aesthetic and acting like it's so above everything because it's talking about this issue was for me just kind of extremely gross Mm -hmm. and it's also just Mm -hmm. really bad filmmaking like all of her little flourishes or like best wolf's flourishes within it are horrible the the symbolism just gets so literal and obvious it it's Mm -hmm. it's laughable in what it tries to scare points it's laughable in how it tries to build up a mood it's so clear in all of its intent and just so poorly constructed and then and then you have to deal with how just morally awful it is as a concept for a film so yeah it's 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 something i really did not like Uh at all yeah i guess i I don't know. I I did not 
hated, I only really hated uh, one thing I saw, which I think is something that you liked. I don't know. I, I would agree that, like, the horror stuff doesn't really work. There's yeah. enough that isn't that that I was able to kind of get on its wavelength sometimes. There's, like, there's a cut very early on that skips a month that isn't really a horror thing that but is kind of maybe a I guess it functions almost as a jump scare but it isn't really that and and it's before the film takes the sort of horror turn that 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 maybe made me feel like I was in for a better movie than I ended up getting and then like yeah like the I don't know I would agree that like most of the flourishes don't work I never got to the point of like finding them unpleasant but yeah I don't know and like Kit Harrington is really just not <laughs> a good actor. Do you notice do you notice how the way his character is like written and included in the movie he's so isolated from everything else to the point where I'm like I thought they were going to say that he's like actually dead because he doesn't That's interact funny. with the cast. Yeah, than, you're like, his right mom. that Yeah, cuz like I almost I think that in the very, the, the one point where I wasn't uh, totally turned off from him is I think in the very early going, before the baby is born, I think that him and Merlant, like, almost do kind of have some chemistry. Yeah. And then that does just, like, totally go away as soon as the yeah, baby is introduced. And, it's just, yeah. yeah it's, it's just, like, but, like, none of the characters really interact with each other. Like, Meredith Hagner also, like, never right, interacts with no, anyone it, other than yeah. Merlon. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't know her name, and I just kept calling her, like, oh, she's like Britney Snow to me. I don't know why I kept thinking she's like Britney Snow, but <laughs> sure. the, mm-hmm. um, and that, I mean, yeah, let's also talk about the moment where it's like, oh, you didn't think it was a, or you didn't pick up on the it didn't fully turn into a horror film at that point, but it's also there's a scene where like Meredith had like literally just like hurls her baby at the car, right? Does that happen that early? I think that okay. happens early, but she's yeah. on the way home from okay. the hospital, which is such like a it's like it's supposed to be like a shock, but I'm just like laughing because uh-huh. it's just so ridiculous. Just just her just like like chucking the baby in the car and like those types of things, um, and, yeah. and the tempor the temporality stuff where you know it's kind of like doing a continuity cut, but you realize like oh it's day instead of night or whatever. Um, uh-huh. These are tricks that have worked better in other features. Mm-hmm. I just don't think any of it works here, and um, mm-hmm. and, and it just seems like this overly stylized. Again, it's yeah. it's just to me it's like. This is a bad exploitation movie. It's purely exploiting postmodern depression, much in the way that, you know, many films in Hollywood take, like, you know, mental illness or schizophrenia. It's like, oh, that's a plot twist. That's not, you know, an actual condition type thing. Uh, I I don't think I would have been as bothered by it had it just owned that. Instead, it really tries Mm. to think of itself as this, you know, quote-unquote elevated horror movie. Um, right. Yeah. And that to me is where I'm like, or, you know, the lines where it's like, nobody talks about this. It's like, you're not talking about it either. You're just kind of taking uh-huh. advantage of it. it it's it's not mm-hmm. so. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's I it's I always hate when you know movies make me seem like I'm being very moralistic about stuff. But I really had a lot of issues with uh, how it approached the subject matter. Yeah, I yeah I I didn't I didn't yeah I did it didn't get me to anywhere near that point. I did think it was it was sort of a thing where like Bess Wall is someone who I'm like have a passing familiarity with. I haven't seen any of her plays or read any of her plays. I mostly like, and but like I I 
I certainly can believe that like a lot of her plays are good, and I've I've heard from people who I trust that they're good. Uh, but also, like the way I mainly know her is like I don't follow her on Twitter, but she's someone who gets a lot of retweets into my feed, and like it's... I do feel like that this is like it it does feel like. I feel like I've seen a Twitter thread from her about this topic, about like <laughs> postpartum depression and like the like how raising a child can be so hard and that people don't talk about it and that sort of thing. And I was like, well, I feel like I've like I feel like this is just you sort of like converting like a, a Twitter thread into into a movie a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which you know, there's I guess there's maybe some place for some sort of thing like that but like yeah i don't think it is entirely successful and it's like well i yeah i I wish you had like i do think like meredith hagner is fun i like the mom it's always fun to see like reed bernie and things i guess like i'm like but like i i think just like yeah the central like the central premise and character is so like one-dimensional and 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 flat like that like it i don't think it really achieves liftoff for me unfortunately Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, well, I I think we're getting close to when yeah. we should let you go, and, and I right. do want to just give you the opportunity to, if there's anything else you like and want to plug. But I, I talking, I guess, about uh, a movie that I find appalling. I did see that you liked Manticore, which I guess I'd like to hear a brief defense of because I really, uh, yeah. and I've liked Vermouth before. I didn't really like can take Contra, but I did like Magical Girl a lot, and this one I just could not follow yeah, no, where it, it eventually goes. And that's it. I, I, One thing I do with Tiff is I, I say I'm Q&A phobic, right? Like, the moment of Q&A, uh-huh. I'm out the door. Like, I don't want to hear. Uh-huh. And I watch Manicore. Um, and I watched it with my partner, because they were more inclined to go um, see it. I just went with them, and I, I had no experience with Carlos Vermouth before. And the movie ended, and I just turned to him. I was like, I was like, we are staying for this Q and A because this is going to be interesting. Uh, it is, it is a film which I was surprised at how into it I was for a long time because this is a very slow film. But I was very into uh-huh. it, and for some reason, it gave me like Kyoshi Kurosawa vibes of the, mm. for a long part mm. of it. Um, it Maybe just more so the aesthetic because it's very <laughs> kind of like low lit, underexposed, and sort of you know grainy and, and texture all the bit. It's it's a film in which it has a conceit that I am not sure how to really grapple with because uh-huh. I have I have reservations with it, but I find that he's very committed in doing it. And I mean, I mean, we'll just, uh-huh. I don't think this film's ever going to show stateside given its content. No, so I'm just going not. to say in the Carlos yeah. more or less is like, I wanted to take the idea of a monster movie where someone discovers this monstrous part of themselves, like, say, like a werewolf movie where someone realizes they're a werewolf and, you know, like, they're trying to suppress it and, you know, like, and then eventually, you know, the secret comes out and all that. He's like, so I want to do that, but I want to apply that to pedophilia where Mm -hmm. a guy realizes he's a pedophile and is trying to suppress it and all that stuff. Like, and, and to me, I'm like, okay, it's, it's a choice i'm not sure if um i'm not sure of taking this uh and and applying it and treating it as if it's like this thing that someone's like oh this terrible thing within me blah like it's just a little too yeah reductive in how it does it but at the same time um i was into it i think where it ends up in the final act i was less of a fan of because i in a way i was more into it in the idea of they just have this really horribly implicated scene early on and then it's just right and it's just it's basically just like he has this terrible thing that he, a, mm-hmm. a terrible thought or process that he indulges, and then it's gone. 
and like it just, yes. it's a passing thing. It yeah. just happens to be a really horrible thing. And I think I would have been more into it if it was just kind of that, and you just kind of have to sit with it. Um, because and it, and it also ties into like you know the technology, video games, all those things as well, uh-huh. and how it can kind of enable mm-hmm. our, uh-huh. our worst thoughts and all that. But where it ends up, I understand where it's going, um, and you know how it ultimately ends up being this sort of like you know two people who find each other in their extremely specific needs. Let's just say that. Um, is interesting to a point. Uh, I was more just kind of, yeah, it, it's, it is a film that kind of, you know, lingered with me or had a lot of thoughts on, which to me is a sign of some value. But again, yeah. like, your perspective, totally understandable because this is yeah. something where I'm just like, yeah, this is going to piss people off because it, it's kind of taking a, it's, it's, it's not giving a very nuanced take on this sort of thing and because it is kind of approaching it with a genre mentality similar to how i took issues with baby ruby um because it's taking an approach to something very you know a very sensitive uh-huh. topic i totally understand that but for me um within that film because of the way that he's kind of delicate around it or making sure it's not like it's not like any actual harm is coming it's more of just this sort of like awful thought right and kind of metastasizes is Slightly better or slightly, you know, less bothersome because he's not kind of veering into full-blown exploitation. But... Yeah, I mean, I guess... Time, I yeah. I I agree that I was, like, intrigued through the first two acts where it is just, like, this thing comes up and yeah. he does just kind of hide it away. And I was like, I don't know why this is in... I, I, I don't know what's going on here, exactly. but it is. And, like, the stuff with the the way it connects with technology, I'm like, yeah, I guess this is kind of interesting. The, 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 the way that it kind of starts to build an argument in the third act, I, I just, uh, uh, you know, he, because he is using technology for this and he works in video games, it is eventually found out. And the way that that, affects him i i couldn't really abide and then the way it ends is just like i even like a further step of like i don't even know what's going on and and then it also you know maybe this was just sort of of just a consequence of the production but it did also like feel like a real like final slap in the face that it's like oh we're also just gonna have the most uh, uh, useless, sort of totally irrelevant uh, COVID coda that I've seen. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah, that there's like a very passing mention. Yeah. Of it. uh, it's just like she's wearing a mask yeah, she's wearing at the a end mask, of the movie. That's really it. It's, I mean, as far as the ending goes, and maybe it's because there is a sense of ambiguity around a character and a thing where really ambiguity is yeah. not is not something people are like I really want ambiguity yeah. around this like no it's pretty black and white but yeah um it is it is I think in a way uh the happiest ending this character could get right and and yeah. that alone will irk people to hell yes uh, and so as as a sort of piece of provocation the film I'm very I was very fascinated by it because it's sort of it invites it, but it's not like it's not being it's not being especially provocative in what it's doing because it's not being like in your face about it. But the themes and ideas is kind of swirling around discussing um, are kind of handled in this way that I found uh, where I'm like, okay, like I, I it's it's a lot to 
a lot to grapple with. Um, yeah. And because I came out of it not really feeling so against the film, uh, not uh-huh. really for it either, I kind of, I, for me, I'm like, okay, there's a sort of value in that. And it's one of the films that has, you know, linger with me, but I think that's, you know, uh-huh. again, that's kind of obvious given like, right. how, kind of you know, sensitive the to. subject matter yeah. is. Yeah, and it is like, it's, you know, kind of feels by the end, like, it is sort of just begging people to be outraged at it, so maybe we <laughs> I, can I was kind of cackling. stop before I... And, like, Vermouth, yeah. I did... I left the Q&A, because I was like, I don't need to hear anymore oh, about yeah, this, he, especially after his introduction. Yeah, he said a few things, like, he talked about the kind of the monster movie conceit, and then also uh-huh. how, like, you know, video games and all that is really just for him, he doesn't understand why certain things, like, <laughs> you know, like, mobsters are seen as super stylized and slick and cool, and they're literally, like, traffic and killing people uh-huh. and yet like he's talking about this subject matter and it's like that's too much and it's like well you know like why is slaughtering and tribal like why is this okay and all that which yeah. again is a very simplistic kind of yeah point to make and i think that's why he involves like the video game industry and all that in, in yeah. the setting to kind of show that kind of uh parallel but yeah uh I, I i completely understand why people would not enjoy that movie in the slightest i i have my i have many reservations with it but at the same time i felt it was it was a very sort of compelling watch for me um and i can't really deny that it had a yeah movie, so yeah i mean it is i as much as it's never gonna get released here i don't need to fully go through the uh, the machinations of the third act I, 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 the I was, main I, thing is just like it felt to me like there was a point being made about the the stigmatization uh, of pedophilia that I was just like... Yeah, I don't... I, I mean, he said... I mean, I'll just... He said that that sure. kind of part for him is like the scene where he just fully embraces the monster. Like, he just... Because everything is going bad, he's just like... He's like, okay, right. fine. He takes it on, which, like, fine. But again, you know, there, there are many other elements. However, I will say that whole last act, I kind of just had this horrible smile on my face because I'm like, oh, he's really <laughs> doing this. Like, he's really going to do, he's going there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, just mm-hmm. looking around the theater like, okay, so who's walking out? Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. So, I don't know. Is, before we let you go, is yeah. there just anything that, uh, anything else you particularly liked or want to talk about briefly? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, my two top films of the festival, I believe, are um, The Eternal Daughter by Joanna Hawk, yeah. which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's... Uh, and I've not been a particularly big fan of Joanna Hogg in the past, um, but I really took to this one. I, I, I really enjoyed yeah. the mood. I think every single person in that film is wonderful performance, yes. especially... Yeah. Till Swinton's dog Lewis, and then, uh, <laughs> but also, I mean, like everyone shouts out the the I forget her name right now, but the one who plays the receptionist, yeah, who is just like her performance is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and um, and then I also really like the Martin McDonough, the Banshees of Anna Sharon, which yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and I I mean like I. <laughs> My cynical read is that, like, he did three billboards and was like, okay, well, I'm going back to Ireland, and I'm just going to go back to, like, yeah. he's staying in his lane in that sense. But I think it works for the film's uh, betterment. Now, I did like three billboards myself, but mm-hmm. at the same, I, for various reasons, which that can be a whole other discussion, let's yeah. not get back into that discourse. But, yeah. I mean, like, but then, like, uh, but <laughs> this one is, like, it. yeah, but the uh, in this one, I really enjoyed how he honed in on... Uh, this one just one friendship right and it's not so much mm-hmm. of an ensemble piece so there are you know supporting yeah. characters um and i find that you know the themes which are very similar to three billboards this sort of folly of man and uh mm-hmm. cycles of violence and how you know ego and and all these things just kind of you know can snowball into so many worse things 
Uh, and it's a nice parallel with the Civil War taking place, you know, over mm-hmm. across the island. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find that it's just way more powerful of that because he, he kind of reduces the scale of the story uh, and yet still touches on the same themes or similar themes as Three Billboards. Uh, I find that it's, mm-hmm. it's a far more effective thing. And you also have, you know, yeah. Colin Farrell's great and Brendan Gleeson's great. Yep. Like everybody in yep. that whole cast, yeah. even Barry Keegan, who is doing a very broadened performance. And uh-huh. it's just like very much the sort of like gesture and like the kind of comic mm-hmm. for the character you've seen a play. I find the theatrical sort of sources of, of the McDonough are very very obvious here uh-huh. um yeah and um but it 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 works it's really 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 funny i find that all the dramatic pizza hits later on are, are quite effective uh the performances are great so it's an overall just very strong movie and i just am generally a fan of mcdonough so i was very happy to see yeah not only that it's good but that everybody else is kind of recognizing it's good. However, it is going to come out to the public in a few weeks because that was a three yeah. billboards discourse. Uh-huh. You know, everyone's like, "It's great," and then it, and then basically yeah. people who are not festivals watch it and they're like, <clears throat> "Wait a minute!" So I'm, yeah. I'm curious to see what will happen when it comes out. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to see that particular discourse <laughs> yeah. happening. And yeah, we will we will have more on uh, both of those movies later this week. Uh, both of which I also think are very good. Uh, but yeah, is there anything uh, that you would like to plug? Um, yeah, if you want to just see my TIFF coverage, I'm doing dispatches over at Edge Media mm-hmm. Network. I also have an interview with uh, the director of, and producer of a film I didn't talk about called Joyland, which I saw can and won the career mm-hmm. palm. Uh, it's, I think it's on the digital. It was on digital, mm-hmm. so hopefully people got to see it. Uh, and uh, then, so that's edgemedianetwork.com. And then I'm doing full-length reviews of films over at the film stage. Uh, and you'll see my Baby Ruby review there <laughs> if you want to see me talk about it more. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. If you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, you can do so at Can I Kick It. If you want to follow us on Letterboxd or Instagram, you can do it at C-I-K-I Pod. If you'd like to donate any money to us, you can do so at coffee.com slash can I, K-O dash F-I dot com slash C-A-N-N-E-S-I. If you have any questions or comments you'd like to email us in, you can do that at can I kick it pod at gmail.com. And if you want to follow any of us on Twitter, Andy is at Andy T. Germ. I'm at Cladley. Emilio is I'm Laugh Alone. And Jesse is JCP Glick Weber with two Bs. And I will now release our audience. Bye bye. <laughs>